الله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحديث السابع والأربعون عن مقدام ابن معدي كريبس رضي الله عنه قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول ما ملا آدم ينبئا شرا من بطن بحسب ابن آدم أكلات يقيمن سلبه فإن كان لا محالة وثلث لدعامه وثلث لشرابه وثلث لنفسه رواه إمام أحمد الترمذي بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد We praise and thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We invoke peace and blessings on our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam his family, his companions, and all those that follow the right path until the day of resurrection. In the previous, I think, two ahadith, uh, Imam Ibn Rajab mentions uh, the things which the Messenger wasallam, made haram to consume. I think in the last hadith, we spoke about khamr, where the Messenger wasallam, says, Kullu muskirin haram. Anything that intoxicates is haram. And before the hadith of Khamr, I think we spoke about maita, something that dies on its own. Then uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentions in the hadith, قَاتَلَ اللَّهُ الْيَهُودِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ حَرَّمَ عَلَيْهِمْ شُحُومَ الْمَيْتَ Up to the end of the hadith. So these three hadith speak about food. But the first two speak about food which is haram. And this is the third hadith which speaks about food which is halal and permissible. Rasulullah in this hadith speaks about something which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made halal for us, something we are supposed to eat. Allah ta'ala says in the Quran, Kulu washrabu, eat and drink, wala tusrifu, but do not spoil. Innahu la yuhibbul musrifin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not love those who spoil. Kulu washrabu means eat and drink moderately, not more than you need. Wala tusrifu, don't spoil. Spoiling comes in many ways, by eating more than you need, or throwing away the food after eating. It's all called israf. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us to exercise moderation in the eating and drinking. When you think about the stomach, which the Messenger وسلم, speaks about in this hadith. The stomach is like what the scholars have called the house of disease in the, in the body. Most of the diseases that we get in the body come from the stomach, if not all the diseases. The house of diseases in the body is the, the stomach. Any person that suffered from anything suffered from that because it came from something which he put in in his stomach and it's very very important that we choose what we put in our stomachs because the stomach is the house of diseases rasulullah says in the hadith uh, what, what does the hadith say the son of adam has never filled a vessel or has never filled a container worse than the stomach. In this hadith, the stomach has been referred to as a container because it contains food. There are many containers 
that we can feel. But the worst container you can ever feel is the stomach. To have a full stomach. Ma mala'a adamiyun, the son of Adam, has never filled a container sharram min batan, worse than the stomach. Meaning the worst thing you can ever do is to fill your stomach. To eat until you are full. To eat until you feel like sleeping. Until you feel lazy. The Messenger sallallahu forbade that. He said, Bihasb bin Adam, it's enough for the son of Adam, akalatun, a few muzzles of food, yuqimna sulbah, which are going to keep his backbone straight, meaning which keep the life in his body. A person should not eat until he feels full. A person should eat until he thinks, well, this is enough to keep the life in my body. If he can't do that, if that's too little for him, then one third of the stomach is supposed to be for his food. In other words, then let him divide the stomach into three parts. One part for food. The second part is supposed to be for his water, for his drink. And the third part is supposed to be for his breath, empty. So he eats one-third of what his stomach is supposed to be. If the stomach is, for example, uh, supposed to take three kilograms of, of food. Okay, can a stomach take three kg? <laughs> uh, maybe three, uh, three kg is too much. <coughs> How many kgs can an average stomach take? Oh, sorry? No, but I've seen people take 2 kg. Uh, it's, it, it does happen, but that's too much, isn't it? Yeah, it's too much. Let's say the uh, stomach is supposed to take 1 kilogram of, of food. Then in this case, uh, he should take 300 grams or approximately 350 grams of food, uh, 350 grams of water. The other 350 should be empty. After eating, he should feel hungry a bit hungry. He doesn't have to eat until he feels full. You know, the problem is we eat until we don't want the food anymore. That's overeating. You eat and still feel like eating. If they brought the food again, you would still be able to eat it. So this kind of food is enough to keep life in your, in your body. You eat only when you're hungry. The problem is that eating is a program which people follow religiously breakfast lunch and supper it it doesn't matter how they feel at that particular time it's a program whether you feel hungry or you don't feel hungry when it's lunch time you have to eat that's that's the way we behave not so whether you're hungry or not hungry when it's time for supper you have to eat but the hadith teaches us to eat only when we feel hungry if it's lunchtime and I don't feel hungry, do, do I need to eat? I don't eat. The best principle is, and it's a simple principle, which, which even sh children should know. When you are not hungry, don't eat. Eat only when you are hungry. But our principle is, when it's time to eat, you must eat. Hungry or not hungry, you have to eat.
So sometimes you go for, you go for lunch, you don't, you don't really feel like, like eating. But you force yourself to put food on a stomach that's already full. And like I said, this stomach is the house of diseases. All of us, may, may Allah protect us from, from disease, all of us that suffered from any form of disease, it came from the stomach. Those that, that have, uh, uh, may Allah protect everyone, uh, high blood pressure, doctors have advised them it's because of the food. They told them the, the food is not, is not good. Those that have uh, uh, maybe uh, uh, what? kidney stones, uh, like myself, doctors told me it's the, the type of food. The food, yeah, the food is not, not good. Gastric ulcers, doctors will tell you it's because of the food. Uh, sometimes it's poor eyesight, doctors will tell you it's the food. Every disease you complain about has to do with, uh, with the stomach. So if there is something that we're supposed to be very careful about, something we should take 100% uh, I mean, care of, it has to be the stomach, what we put in our stomachs. Don't eat until you're full. And the signs are, if you start gaining weight, then you're eating too much. There's a hadith in which the Messenger وسلم, speaks against, against the idea of getting fat. Getting fat is not a good thing, especially for a Muslim. He says there will come people, he speaks about their characteristics, and then he says, and you see fatness in them. There will come people after us, and he mentions their characteristics about being liars, about being hypocrites, and he says, asiman. And you see in them signs of, of fatness, which means getting fat in, in Islam is not a positive. But um, in our societies, when you're getting fat, then it means that's very, very nice. In fact, if people say uh, uh, you, you, you've become slim, you, you, you don't feel nice, you feel very bad. They were saying, I, I've lost weight. If they say, ah, oh, mashallah, you've gained a lot of weight, say, oh, alhamdulillah. Not, alhamdulillah, that's not a good thing. Gaining weight is not a good thing. So, this is because of carelessness. We are, we are careless. Imam Ibn al-Qayyim says, the rural areas, like the villages, do not need hospitals. It's the towns that need hospitals. What he means by that is that the people in the villages usually have a difficult life. Their food is simple food. Sometimes they depend on um, if it's in Arab countries, maybe just dates and, and a bit of milk, milk from maybe a goat or uh, whatever, camel milk. That's, that's their regular food. They eat that in the afternoon. Sometimes they eat a bit of that at night and drink some, some water. That's the kind of food they eat. And most of the time, they don't experience the diseases that we experience in town. In the villages, these diseases are rare. Diseases such as uh, high blood pressure, whatever they I'm not saying they're not there, but they're quite rare. Someone remarked that certain diseases are only found with, with the well-to-do people. Diseases such as uh, uh, high blood pressure, hypertension, what, what other diseases? They say they're only for the rich. There's a reason, because the rich eat too much. That's, that's the reason. It's a simple reason. Why, why else do you think the rich would suffer from diseases different from the poor people? Why would high blood pressure be only for the, for the rich people and hypertension only for the rich people and certain diseases only for the rich people? It's because they eat too much. 
There's a lot for them to eat. When they open their fridges, there's a lot of food. You eat this, eat that, and so on, and that causes diseases in their bodies. But a poor person does not have those choices. For him, if it's maize, it's just, just maize, a uh, bit of water, dates, and so on. That's, that's all he has. So the different diseases that we suffer from, they, they don't suffer from them. Anyone that saw a doctor was told a number of foods that, that, that he should not eat, right? For example, they, 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 they told you, don't, don't eat red meat anymore. Say the meat of a cow, don't, don't eat anymore. Or sheep, whatever, don't, don't eat. But is it haram? It's not haram. Um, Allah didn't make it haram because it's not harmful, right? Red meat should not be harmful. The meat of a cow is not harmful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cannot make halal for us something which is harmful. But then if what Allah gave us to eat, what Allah made halal is not harmful, then why do doctors say it's harmful? Because we ate too much. We ate more than we are required to eat. So now we've reached a stage where we cannot eat anymore. You, you get my point? If in the first place, a person eats only uh, every day one, 100 grams of, of meat, just 100 grams, not more than 100 grams, you think a stage would come where the doctor says, no more meat for you? But if a person is finishing a whole, a whole leg of, <laughs> or, 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 of sheep, after, after 20 years, what's the doctor going to say? You've, you've eaten enough. You, you, you've had enough, enough sheep. Where's the problem? The problem is ourselves. If we ate أَكَلَاتٌ, a few moses of food, يُقِمْنَ sulba that are enough to keep the life in our bodies, would not face such, uh, 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 such problems. So anyone that does not want to face such problems in the future, the time is now. Eat a bit, just a little bit. Eat a bit of meat, eat a bit of chicken, uh, 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 a bit of, of starch, a time will never come when the doctor says you don't have to eat chicken anymore. But if you start finishing half chicken uh, uh, at lunch and half chicken at supper, very soon, within three years, the doctor will say you've had enough chicken. You've had your fair share of, of chicken. No more chicken for you. Vegetables only. After the other show. So the, the angle we were looking at is the angle of siha or health. There's also a different angle from which we have to analyze this hadith, and that is the angle of ibadah. When a person eats too much, the more a person eats, the less his ibadah. But that is proven. The more someone is going to eat, the more they are, I mean, the less they are active in terms of ibadah. For example, if a person eats too much to fill his stomach at uh, supper, it's very unlikely that the person is going to wake up active at the time of, of Salatul Fajr. It's very, very unlikely. Because eating too much takes away the, the energy. And it's very unlikely that a person is going to attain ilm, especially if the person eats too much. The true characteristics of tulabul ilm, people who seek knowledge, is that they eat very, very little. Imam al-Baghawi, rahimahullah, said when he went to, to Egypt to seek knowledge, times were very, very difficult. 
all his life in, in Egypt. He says, I spent many years there and I can count the number of times that I ever put, you know, something like chicken in, in my mouth. All we ate was that, you know, that Arab bread, that flat type of bread. He says, we would eat that and would find any, any oil, even cooking oil, just a bit of cooking oil you put on, on a plate. You get some bread, douse it in the, in the cooking oil so that it just becomes a bit soft for you to, to eat. When a person eats very little, very lightly, their minds concentrate, uh, I mean, concentrate more on, on ibadah. But when a person is so full, it's very difficult to become uh, uh, a student. And when you observe, if you look at all the scholars and their descriptions, I don't think there's, there's one scholar who is described as having been fat. The scholars were never fat. Why? Because they knew being fat is a destruction. Just try. When, when you eat a lot, you pick up a book and start, start reading what happens. You fall asleep. Yeah. One time, you don't even know what, what happened. But a hungry man, a hungry man finds it difficult to sleep. It's easy for a hungry man to wake up at the time of the hajjud and offer salah because the, the stomach is, is empty. But someone who, who ate like, like a bull before, before going to bed, to wake him up, forget, forget about the hajjud, talk about fajr, okay, the hajjud, that's, that's just discount that. Just to get him out of bed at salatul fajr, that's very, very difficult. What is the problem? The problem is, is the stomach. So this hadith uh, is advice from the Messenger وسلم, on how we can keep ourselves healthy, firstly, and secondly, how we can maintain our ibadat. And the hadith I mentioned earlier, in which the Messenger وسلم, says, and you see signs of fatness in them, is a hadith actually which speaks about jihad. A person who is fat and eats too much can never go for jihad. He's the last person to, 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 to be involved in jihad fisabilillah. In short, this is something which could take away your iman. Because the body and the soul, the body and your state of iman have a great connection. The state of your body says a lot about the state of your iman. Al-Muslimul Qawi khayrun wa ahabbu ilallahi minal muslimil da'if wa fi kullin khayr. A strong mu'min, a strong mu'min, khayr is better. Wa ahabbu illallah and much more beloved to Allah, minal muslim al-da'if, aw mu'min al-da'if. Much better than a weak mu'min. Allah loves a strong mu'min. Allah does not love a weak mu'min. Uh, sorry, he loves a weak mu'min, but not better than a strong mu'min. So this hadith is general advice from the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam about health matters about uh, 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 ibadah and about how to avoid diseases in our bodies. Unless there is, there is a question, we will take it, inshallah. Ibn Rajab, when we started Ibn Rajab, at the end of the hadith, we are having harrajahu, so and so. But this one has come back to rawa'u, so and so. Any difference in that? Um, generally, according to the explanation of uh, Sheikh um, Abdul Razak uh, Al-Badr uh, Ibn uh, Abbad, 
He says, it's just that Imam al-Nawawi, rahimahullah ta'ala, likes to use the phrase rawahu. And um, Ibn Rajab likes to use the phrase kharrajahu. But in reality, there is no difference between rawahu and kharrajahu. It's just a difference in uh, uh, phraseology, meaning the same thing. Concerned about solar, but it's obligatory for a man to go to the mosque, isn't it? Yes. So there's uh, some occasions whereby you're not willing to go to the mosque. Sorry. You're not willing to go to the mosque. Just but, not willing. Yeah. Then you offer your solar uh, by your place. So is it that solar valid? when you offer by your place, instead of going to the mosque. There's no any okay, disturbances that, that's making you, there's no any reason for you to go to the mosque. There's no any reason that is uh, indicting you for you to go to the mosque. But just decide to say, no, I'll just offer my surah at home. And then offering surah as a man is obligatory to go in the jama. So is it that surah that you offer at home? Is it valid or not? The Messenger وسلم, says Salah with the Jama'ah is better than the Salah of an individual by 25 or 27 Daraja. 25 or 27 Daraja. So my question is, if the Salah of an individual or the Salah of someone who prays in the Jama'ah is better than the Salah of an individual, then is the salah of an individual valid? Because if it's not valid, then the salah with the jama'ah is better than what? The salah of the individual has to be valid in order for the salah with the jama'ah to be better than it. If it's not valid, then the salah with the jama'ah cannot be better than anything which is, which is not valid. So there's a comparison here. However, we, we also have to look at other hadith in uh, which the Messenger وسلم, describes uh, a person who decides not to join the jama'ah as, as a person with, with hypocrisy, as a person with, with nifaq. This does not invalidate his salah. Just like the Messenger وسلم, says, I intended that I command someone to lead the salah so that I go out to the houses of those who do not want to come for Salatul Fajr with the jama'ah in order to burn their houses. But the question is, did the Messenger وسلم, do that? Did, did he go out actually to burn their houses? He didn't burn their houses, right? Which means this is something which he disapproved of strongly, وسلم, but he did not take the action of going to burn down their houses. So the salah of this individual is valid, but it's aib. It's a big aib because the Messenger وسلم, has strongly criticized a person who does not want to come to the masjid to pray with the jama'ah. But in terms of fiqh, in terms of fiqh, if you ask is the salah valid or invalid, in terms of fiqh, it is valid. But in terms of maw'idah, is it a good thing or a bad thing? We say it is a very bad thing. 
That's why I say when we uh, speak about fatwa, we look at, at the fiqh angle and also we look at the angle of raqa'iq. Raqa'iq is something that talks about maw'idah. Allah likes this, the Messenger وسلم, doesn't like this, you're encouraged to do this. This is the angle of raqa'iq. When we speak about fiqh, it only has to do with this is valid, this is invalid, this is good, this is not good. For example, in, in fiqh, if you marry a woman and then you discover, they tell you the woman uh, is okay, she's perfect, she's all right. And then you discover there's some defects on the, on the woman according to fiqh, the fiqh of Islam. Are you allowed to divorce her because of the defects or are you not allowed to divorce her? You're allowed to divorce her according to fiqh. Why? Because the truth was not told. But then, according to raqa'iq, if you ask an imam and you say, my wife has such and such a defect, and you say, should I divorce her or not divorce her, what do you expect the imam to tell you? You say, don't, 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 don't divorce her. Don't divorce her. You, uh, you see, Allah said, the Messenger said, That's the angle of raqa'iq. But the angle of fiqh is simply, it's your choice. If you want to divorce her, you may divorce her. You get my point? So when we come to the angle of raqa'iq and maw'idah, aib. He should pray in the, in the masjid. But when we come to the angle of fiqh, valid or invalid, in the salah, valid or invalid, we say valid. All right. Now. Subhanallah, bihamdi, subhanallah, bihamdi. ونشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفر وأنتوب إليك سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين